0: And um, uh, thank you all for being here after this week. We've had, I hope you all have had as much time to eat <laughs> and feast. It turned into not just a Thanksgiving day for me, but it turned into a Thanksgiving week. And I think I gorged myself about every single night. And hopefully I gained a couple pounds. And um, I hope you were all able to spend some time with your family and, and get some much needed rest. And I'm glad that, that uh, your pastor is able to get away and get some rest today. And I can give him a little bit of a break today. But anyway, thank you for being here. You can be seated. And in, in fact, yeah, my roots do run very deep uh, here at this church. I watched the construction of this building happen, and I could tell you so much, um, so many different stories about when this church was being built, all the way down to there being names written on the floor under this carpet. I don't know how many of you remember that, but... There are names on this floor right now of people that we wanted to see come to the Lord. And I know that there are many testimonies that have happened from that night. Um, But I I even remember a time um, when I was just seven years old. I received the Holy Ghost over back in the old sanctuary before this was even here. And I was baptized in that cold water baptistry, and it was freezing. (laughs) And Sister Mandy, I don't know where you are. There you are. I remember when you would run that... uh, that old dry erase projector, you remember that? For the words, man, we've come a long way. It was a big deal when we got when we were able to start printing, printing all, uh, all out all our lyrics. It was a big deal. I remember that. But um, yeah, my roots run deep here, and and I love this place. Um, a lot of my a lot of my favorite memories, though, of this of this place, really are are the prayer meetings that we had. I can remember right around the time that we built this building, we would spend hours after church just praying and seeking after God and and praying for revival and many of you that are here today are result of those prayers and the prayers that have been prayed ever since and and I I I have wonderful memories of all the miracles that took place um, all the miracles that I was able to witness that have built my faith up to today and brother Miller I wanted to bring up one that sticks in my mind Um, I hope I have all the details correct but I believe that one time you were fostering a, an infant child and this child had come into your home and he had some broken ribs and some broken bones. Man, I'm getting choked up already. It's going to be a long service. <laughs> but that child came in beaten and battered and we brought that child up to prayer. And this again was in the old sanctuary and, and we prayed for that child and we laid hands on that child and God moved and a miracle was done and If I have if I have all the details correct, by the time they brought the child back in for x-rays, right, the bones had already been set and the healing process had already begun. It was a mighty, mighty move of God. I still believe in the miracle working power of God. I still believe that his power is here right now today. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful for this church and its wonderful history and the bright future that this church has I feel a couple of different things today. I feel, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this house today. I feel it strongly. I feel my help with me. And I also feel that there's a bit of a heaviness today that sits in this sanctuary and on some of our shoulders. And God has come today to remove some of that heaviness. He's come today to take us into a new dimension, to bring us up out of some things that we've been going through in our life and to bring us into a new chapter. He's, brought, he's, he's come today with a word for you. But today I'm, I'm very honored and I'm humbled to be standing here with this microphone. I know that there are many mighty men of the Spirit that have stood here at this pulpit before me, much, much more experienced, much more eloquent than I am, much more ready to do it, God is called them to do, but I, I do feel a strong and direct word from the Lord, and if you will preach with me today, I believe that at the end of this service, we're going to be shouting in victory. I believe that. I believe that. I want to give honor to your pastor. I love him. He's the best, best older brother I could ask for, um, along with my other two, <laughs> and um, I love him and, and Sister Hannah and, and the boys, and I, my only regret for this weekend is that they're not here so I can hug them. But um, it's, I want to give them honor today. I'm glad they get that time away. Um, I also want to give honor to my wife. Thank you for standing faithfully by me for the last four and a half years. And we actually joined in marriage just right here, right where I'm standing. And uh, four and a half years, it just seems like yesterday. Um, I also want to give honor to my parents. Thank you, Dad, for the wonderful introduction. Um, you know, I, I could uh, I, I couldn't spend too much time loving on all the people that love me, and 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 talking about the things that God has done in my life here in this place. I couldn't spend enough, or I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't put too much of an emphasis on, emphasis on that. But I do think that it would be possibly possible for me to spend too much time on that today because I really do feel a word from God and it's it's stirring up in me. I I feel like there's, it's just the way that it feels. It feels like there's a racehorse up in me that that is just trying to get out of the gate and get out, and so. We're going to go ahead and let it get out and take its stride. Um, if we could all stand for the reading of the word. We're going to go to Second Kings chapter 23 and verse 10. Say amen when you have it. Second Kings 23 verse 10. And he, speaking of King Josiah, defiled Topheth which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter to pass through the fire to Molech. Second verse we have is Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 33. For Tophet or Topheth, different spelling, is ordained of old. Yea, for the king is it prepared, for he hath made it deep. And large and a pile thereof is fire and much wood, and the breath of the Lord, like a stream of brimstone, doth kindle it. Thank you for standing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we give you thanks in advance for what you're about to do in this service. God, we feel your presence. We feel your spirit in this house today. God, we give you all authority. We give you everything, Jesus. We don't want to stand in the way of your word, but God, we want to worship you today in obedience. Your word has come to me strong. Lord, let me pour it out in the way that you want it to happen. God, we open up our hearts to you today. Jesus, we pray against every bit of distraction that would come against our minds, whether it be of the spirit or whether it be of our human mind. We pray now that you would remove that distraction. We take dominion over every spirit Spirit of the enemy that would try to come in and see lies into the hearts and the minds of these people. We proclaim freedom in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you can be seated. Now today I applaud you highly for your knowledge of the word. This church is something that is, or a, or a thing about this church is that you have a large palate for the deep things of the word and of the spirit. And I applaud you for that. Not every church body Can I come to and just say, you know what, we're going to do a deep dive today and and, and know that you're going to be able to follow along. But I know today that your pastor is an incredible teacher and your mental palates accept very, very deep theological dives much more than most. And I applaud you for that. So if you would uh, give me a little bit of freedom today, I need to build up a bit of a launching pad in the word. I'm going to just go through and I'm going to tell the story That happens in in 2 Kings. And I believe at the end of this. We're going to see. Or throughout this story. We're going to see some revelations. Of the truth of God. And and at the end. We are going to be brought into a new dimension. In the spirit today. In Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah is prophesying of a great victory. The Lord is going to destroy the king of Assyria. And his armies. King Hezekiah has been backed into a corner by the Assyrian armies that are much larger than his. And Jerusalem is now surrounded. And they've been backed into a corner. Their resources have been cut off. They don't have access to fresh water. They no longer have any access to the fields for food. And the enemy is standing and taunting day and night. They're taunting Hezekiah and his faith in God. They are defaming the God of Judah. Hezekiah then comes and he cries out to God, the king. He calls out for deliverance. He says, God, I don't have within myself what it takes to get me up out of this situation. But I need a word from you. I need something in my life. I need something from you. So he calls out to God and then Isaiah comes to him with the prophecy which we already read. For Tophet is ordained of old. Yea, for the king is it prepared. He hath made it deep and large. The pile thereof is fire and wood, and the breath thereof, like a stream of brimstone, doth kindle it. It says that this place has been prepared for the king. This king that he's talking about is the king of Assyria. What God is saying to his people is that I have already prepared the answer for you. And I have already prepared the place for you. I know right now what you can see is that you are surrounded by the enemy. And I know that you are feeling the pressure and that your resources are being depleted and that you can't see a way out. But I have already prepared a place for you. And God brings his deliverance and an angel comes in the darkness of night and he destroys the entire Assyrian army and the Assyrian king. And his victory, this victory is a defining moment in the life and the rule of Hezekiah. Hezekiah valued and honored the commandments of God. We know that looking throughout all the different kings of Israel and Judah, that the the children of Israel went back and forth from idol worship to serving God, to idol worship to serving God. But in the reign of Hezekiah, and actually most of of what Israel did was because of how the king valued valued God's word. But in the time of Hezekiah, he valued and honored the commandments of God very highly. He prioritized purity in Judah. He was born into a nation that was full of idol worship. His father had brought idols into the nation and they were full of idol worship. And he spent most of his life, Hezekiah spent most of his life tearing down idols and false gods. And then after his death, his son Manasseh took over. And Manasseh was only 12 years old when he took over. Manasseh didn't remember the great victories. He didn't remember the battles fought down, or fought to bring down idolatry. He didn't remember the treacheries that were there before the purity that he was born into. Manasseh, uh, he, he was after the manner of the evil king Ahab. He made it his sole purpose to bring up places of idol worship. He planted a grove in the midst of Solomon's temple in dedication to the gods of the heavens. Solomon's temple was the greatest building that was ever, construction, ever constructed, but now it was littered with the altars of baal groves of trees were dedicated to false idols and their roots sunk deep into the foundations of the building the greatest representation or the greatest physical representation of a place of habitation between god and man was defiled by a small grove of trees and it was and the foundation was made was made I'm sorry, was the foundation was put in a place where it was under attack. Manasseh, he filled his home with wizards and with unholy men. They were constant in his ear and he allowed himself to be entertained by them. First, he said, I find something interesting here. And I I know that it's something that my father would not have done, but. I find that what they're doing, it's interesting, it's intriguing. And maybe at first I, I'm not going to get involved, but I'll let them entertain me. And soon he invited them into his home. And then before you knew it, he was taking, he was taking practice in their abominations. And he was using enchantments and dealing directly with the spirits. Manasseh became so engrossed with the doctrines of the world that the results ended up engraving themselves into his legacy, as he sent his son through the fires of Molech. Now what the fires of Molech were. And let me give you just a little bit of history here. The fires of Molech. When Molech was a god of human sacrifice. he Men would place their infants in the arms of the idol. The idol to Molech was a hallowed out statue. It was the body of a man with the head of a bowl. And, and in his belly was a hollowed out open furnace. His hands were outstretched and Parents would come, and in order to worship Molech, what they would do is they would take their infant children, they would lay them in the hands of the idol, and the infant would roll into the furnace within its belly. And the legacy of the future king of Judah passed through the fires of Molech. His potential was never realized. The unnamed child had a God-ordained call on his life. He had giant potential. He could have been the king of Judah, He had a God-ordained call on his life to bring the children of Israel up out of idolatry. But before his potential was ever able to be realized, he passed through the fires of Molech. All because of a father that had bought into the indoctrination of the world. History could have been forever shifted. He could have changed an entire nation. But his potential was stripped away from him because his father decided to cast his own baby into the fire. And I'm very tempted right now to go on to this old rabbit trail of parenting business, which I am not a part of yet, so I can't say a whole lot. But I'm going to say just a little bit. I don't have time to be specific. I work with youth in Frankfurt, and I know just a little bit about, I was a youth myself once. And um, and I watched other youth uh, grow up alongside me. And and now I'm dealing with youth and their parents and This is all I have to say is, parents, we need to be careful who we allow to give us parenting advice. We can't let this world indoctrinate us with something that that is going to allow our kids to go through something that they were never intended to go through. We don't need to be putting our kids in the hands of the enemy. We need to be indoctrinating them into the word of God. We need to have this in our home above and above. Beyond every parenting book that's out there, there are places that our kids should not be going. There are people that should not be speaking into our kids' lives. We shouldn't be letting some of these people that we allow get close to our children. They shouldn't be within a mile of our teenagers. Whether they're family or not does not matter. If they are not pushing your child towards God, they could be pushing your child towards the fires of Molech. It's time that somebody would say, I'm going going to establish a, a precedent in my home. We have youth conferences and youth services and they're all good. We need them, but maybe it's time for a youth parents conference. <laughs> you daddy and you mama are the ones that point your kid in the direction that they go. It is not your youth pastor's responsibility for your child to make it into heaven. If they're under your roof, that is your responsibility. Manasseh did all that he could to tear down the things that his father had built up. And in just one generation, the purity of an entire nation was lost. Manasseh then died in his sin and his son took over the nation. His son Amon reigned just like his daddy. He worshipped the gods of the world. And he kept the family traditions alive. He was so caught up in the traditions of his father... That he let his place in history slip through his hands. We could go on about traditions here today. We won't. But, just, but he could have been just like his grandfather, grandfather Hezekiah. With three long full chapters written about him. And how he purified the nation. But instead he devalued the commandments of God. And his life was summed up in just ten verses. Filled with the retreat from the presence of God. Ending in his murder. And sometime, somewhere, in all the mess that Manasseh and Amon created, and all of the things that were brought into the temple of God, the word was devalued so much that at some point they lost the book of the law. The law got lost in the mess, the truth got covered up with the things and the instruments of this world. The word of God that was once the focal point was now buried in the mess. Manasseh and Amon both had access to the book their entire time. They had the resources. They had the men. They had the ability. They had the power to send people in and clean out the house of God. And they had access to this book, but they devalued it so much And they put their priorities in such the wrong place that an entire generation was created that did not even know the truth of God. And the truth is today, we could sit here and we could judge Manasseh and we could judge Amon very harshly. We could be aghast at all the layers of idolatry that they let build up in the temple. We could shake our heads at their ignorance. But I submit to you today in love sometimes we allow our temples to be filled up with the instruments of this world just the same. Sometimes we allow a mound of stuff to build up so deep in us. And sometimes the weights and the burdens of this world build up so deep in our hearts that we find it hard to access the word that we once treasured so dearly. The things that once we hid in our heart. The word that we once poured over the pages at night after work. Sometimes the world can bring so much stuff in and we allow so much stuff to come in that it covers up the word that's in our heart. Some of us were born like Manasseh into apostolic homes. And before we established our own personal relationships with God... We were born into a place where truth was was first and foremost, where things were set right, where the priorities were placed where they needed to be, where we could just it was just a given that we were going to pray before dinner. It was just a given that we were going to be there on Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And before we built up our own and established our own personal relationships with God. We the, the holiness was established and. And some of us also were born into homes without truth. Some of us were born into homes where truth was not a priority. And Brother Stokely, like you said, where you at? I don't know where you he went. Hey, Brother Stokely, like you said, some of us came into an altar one day. And some of us had an altar experience with God. And some of us didn't, weren't born into that place but came into relationship with Him and got to a point where we were so close and so deep in his spirit that all we wanted to do was to please him. But over the years. And the process, it seems slow at first. begins Things begin to accumulate in our heart. And the process seems slow. But and it starts in the dark corners in the unseen areas of our heart. And we start to begin to bring the instruments of the enemies into our personal lives. And we build up these secret altars of secret sins, and we hide the things. And, but the thing is, we, it's such a slow process to us. Now in, in the span of a lifetime, it's quick. It can happen really, in the blink of an eye. If you're looking at the, at the vast uh, if you're looking from a bird's eye view at the life of a person, it feels slow, though, when you're in it. And in the span of less than a lifetime, that word can become hidden. See, Old Testament scrolls were so large that sometimes they had to be parceled up and sectioned. And over time, the portions of the word that were once held dear became covered up by this stuff. We cease to visit certain areas of his word. We no longer prioritize the things we once stood for. We used to value those things so deeply. And before you know it, they're covered up and encumbered about with the instruments of the enemy. And we forget the things that were once so dear to us. And who am I talking to today? Really, I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to me. But if I'm talking to somebody today that doesn't know the last time that you read your Bible, but all you do when you go home is you binge watch Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu and whatever else, I'm talking to you. You're bringing in the entertainment of this world. You're bringing in a spirit of entertainment into your home. And I'm not saying that these things in and of themselves are going to send us to hell. Don't get me wrong. But what I am saying is that if you don't think that media and entertainment and some of the other things that build up our schedule and take up our time and take the highest places of a priority in the time of our life if you don't think that those things are an instrument of the enemy you need to crawl out from under the spiritual rock that you've been living under wake up and smell the anthrax honey because right now we've got some things in our homes that we need to get out or we need to deprioritize and set the word of God it at a higher place of priority in our lives some of our some of our youth can spend 10 hours a day on video games and spend we can spend you know 15 hours a day sometimes playing video games and watching tv and being entertained and why is it maybe it's because our parents are intoxicated by the fumes of facebook we've gone spiritually blind in a sense and i i i 'm preaching it to you i 'm preaching it to you today the way that I feel it okay it 's not this is not a place of anger this is not a place of frustration this is a place of love and i 'm preaching i feel I feel comfortable preaching this to you today because I know i 'm in a mature church today i know i 'm in a mature body today in the book of Corinthians it says that that uh, they come first in all gifts, but he couldn 't give them the meat of the word they had to have milk but today we 're in a church that can take some meat right We're in a church that can be real with ourselves. I'm I'm in a place that we can be real with ourselves, and I can speak to you this way because I love you, and I know that you love me, right? I love you. I speak strong today because I feel it strongly today, but God wants to do something in and through each and every one of us today. What I want us to ask ourselves today is, has my spiritual trajectory been approaching His throne Or have I been derailed by all the stuff that I've allowed to cover up the tracks? That's what I want us to ask today. And the, the reason I can preach this to you the way I'm preaching is because I have no doubt that everybody in this room wants to please God. I have no doubt that everybody in this room has at least had an experience with the changing power of the Holy Ghost. Whether you've been filled up or not, you have felt His presence here. And you love God. Come on, am I in a church today that loves God? Am I in a church today that wants to please God? Am I in a place today that wants to do what God has called you to do? I believe I am. And really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to appeal to the purity of your intentions. I believe that the vast majority of the hearts in this room want God in your life. And I believe that God's perfect plan, that you want God's perfect plan to be established in your life. And for some of us... We've been covering his plan up with the heaping mess of this life. It's not always sin. Sometimes it's just stuff. My message of hope today is that even if you find yourself in this place, even if you find yourself being so covered up and encumbered about with the things of this world and the burdens that so that doth so easily beset us, even if you find yourself in this place today, God honors a pure heart and pure intentions. He does. God honors a pure heart and pure intentions. And the pure intentions that are in this house today are going to lead to people who are pursuing after God. And if you are pursuing after God, he will pursue after you. I believe that. And today my title, I don't know if they have it up there. My title is Burning Down the Gates of Hell. Why? That doesn't make sense. Well, let me tell you, in the time that the two evil kings of Judah had established a place of sack or in the time that the, the, there were the two evil kings of Judah, they had established a place at Topath. Topath was the place that we first talked about where God had wrought a victory. And at this very place where God had once brought a, de- a deliverance and a victory at the hands of his angel, now Satan once again mocked the children of God and mocked the victory of God in that very place by establishing a place of idol worship to the God Molech. In the very place that the enemy once had mocked the children of God, had once mocked their faith, in the very place that the Lord had shut their mouth and had destroyed the enemy, once again the enemy stood there with a... With a with a place of worship, and it was now stealing the future once again from the people. Once he said, "I'm going to cut off all of you people, and I'm going to cut off your resources, and now you have no future because you have no resources." But now my way of approach, and now my way of taking away your future, is to come to where your resource, to allow you to live in the abundance of resources but to take away the future of your children. The enemy had built up a memorial to his mocking. The enemy loves to hit you right where you thought you had received a miracle. He'll bring up an old injury you thought you had been healed of. He'll rekindle up an old grudge that you thought that God had helped you get over. He'll reestablish a sin in a place where God had said it is done and it is finished. He loves to go back to those places where we don't, Or where we once had a victory. Topath was known as hell on earth. And I... Get ready with me because we're going somewhere today. But Topath Topath was known as... Or Topheth, sorry. Was known as a place... Or it was known as hell on earth. It was said to be the very gates of hell where Satan and his evils were so abundant... That you didn't know if you were on hell or on earth. It was a place of habitation for the enemy. The enemy had set up camp and they had claimed the territory. And Satan wanted the final word for that ground. The devil will build up a place of devouring in the very place that God had once wrought a victory. And here's the shift. Amon, the evil king, dies. And Josiah, his son, takes the throne. Does anybody know the name Josiah. Does anybody know of his legacy? Josiah is only eight years old when he takes the throne. And somehow he's prompted to follow the ways of the Lord. It must have been a voice in his ear. There must have been somebody that remembered the stories of his great-grandfather. There must have been a messenger somewhere sent from God that said, Josiah, I know you're young. Josiah, I know that you're in a place where you don't really know how to run a nation But let me tell you a little bit about the way that it used to be. Let me remind you of where we used to be as a nation. Let me remind you of the place that God once had us. He must have had someone beside him pushing him further towards uh, towards what God had and away from what his father and his grandfather had rejected. There was purity in Josiah's heart. And just like us today... He desired to bring the things of God back to the children of Israel. At a young age, he decided that he possessed the same power that his great-grandfather had. He decided that he was going to start to tear down the monuments and begin to uh, bring back a process of purification. I know that in the apostolic church, we talk a whole lot about the Azusa Street Revival. And it's a good thing, and I've studied it, and I love it, and I can't read enough of it, and I can't get enough of it. If you don't know what I'm talking about today, ask your pastor because he's basically an expert. But the Azusa Street Revival was one of the greatest revivals that had ever happened on the face of this earth. It's the greatest recorded outpouring of the Holy Ghost ever since the day of Pentecost or shortly thereafter. And in this thing that we look back to. In this thing that we remember so fondly, even though we weren't there, we have voices that are telling us what it used to be like. We have voices that are telling us this is a power that you now possess. We have voices that are telling us this is somewhere that we can get to. And if we desire, and I believe this, holy cow, do I believe this. If we get to a place in our heart, Where we say, I believe that I have the same opportunity. I believe that I have the same power in me. That they had at the Azusa Street Revival. That they had in the book of Acts. That they had on the day of Pentecost. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to go after what God has for me and my generation. See, before Josiah, Hezekiah was the greatest king that Judah had ever seen. He had brought purity back to the people. And Josiah said, I am going to be like my grandfather. I am going to bring back purity to this nation. So what he begins to do is he begins to put a siege on the idolatry that had been built up by his father and his grandfather. And I know that I'm taking some time today, but stay with me. He he began to, to... Put a siege on the the idolatry that had been built up. And what happens is he did what his father and his grandfather never had the guts to do. And he begins to clean out the temple. He begins to remove the instruments of the enemy that had been placed in the temple to cover up the book. He takes the clutter outside of the temple. And when they go into the temple, what they do is they discover the book of the law. And they brought the book to the king, and Josiah's eyes were opened unto truth. And the purity of his heart made him to desire to fulfill the word of God in his life, and fulfill the plan that God had on his life. He'd known that he had gone astray, but he was ignorant of just how far they'd gone. Maybe can I surmise to some of us today that we've been living in a place where we have a purity of heart, where we desire the things of God. And we've done what we can do and what we know to do. But may I put a challenge to you today to dive into your word. And to get and to question your pastor. And to talk to some people that, that are maybe a little bit further down the road than you. Because there are some places and some things that can be opened up in the eyes of your mind. That will allow you to go farther down in truth the truth of the word. He knew he had gone astray, but when his eyes were opened, something happened in him. And there's a verse, and I don't have it here, but I love it. What What ends up happening is a critical point happens. It's a point of covenant. It's a covenant moment that he comes to. And Josiah is standing in his court, and this word has been revealed unto him, and he says, I will now pledge myself to you, God. I will commit myself to a covenant to you that I will fulfill everything that the word of God says. He says right now, right here, right where I stand at the moment that my eyes are being opened, I'm going to dedicate this to you. And I believe that there are some people in this house today that have had moments like that in your life. Maybe there's some people in this house that are going to have a moment like that today. But we need to come to a point in our life where we say, right now, I'm going to make a covenant within myself, between me and God. Not not for everybody else, not for show, but between me and you. And I am going to do everything. I am going to give everything. 100% of me is going to be given unto you in Josiah did not stop there. Josiah said, I am not only here for a moment of covenant. I am here to fulfill the covenant that I have made. And some of us today, some of us today, I've been caught up in what I call the Laodicean complex. In a place where we feel good about ourselves. We feel good about our place. We feel comfortable. We feel that uh, the Lord has sent blessings to us, and he has. And and what what the Laodicean complex is in Revelations 3, chapter 17, it says, Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And we've allowed these blessings of God to become intermingled with the instruments of Satan. And we're blessed not to increase our own physical kingdoms, but so that and we're not blessed so that we can give our kids all the stuff that we didn't have. We're not blessed so that we can fill our houses and our schedules and uh, to the point where we no longer have time for the things of God. We're blessed so we can give. We're blessed here in America so that we can have the freedom to do what we want to do with our time. And it is up to us to decide in a moment of covenant whether we are going to take up what God has for us or whether we're going to take up what the things of this world are. We, after the truth was revealed to Josiah, listen to me today, listen. After the truth was revealed to Josiah, he could have said, I'm going to go right on back to where I came from. I felt good there. I was doing good. I was removing some idols. I felt comfortable. I felt good about myself. Everybody loved me. They were praising me. They were they were lifting me up. But he said, "Now that my eyes have been revealed to truth, something is burning up inside of me." And Josiah had a radical pursuit for purity. Josiah's covenant moment ignited a fire inside of him and nothing would stand in his way. He said, I am no longer going to let the stuff that has covered up all the things that God has for me stand in the way between me and you. I have everything that I need now and I dedicate myself 100% to you. He was crazy radical. He was crazy radical about destroying The enemy and the establishments of the enemy. So what did he do? He started with the instruments that were inside the temple. Everything that wasn't there to worship God was removed. He then took these things and he hauled them to a field in Kidron. And he burned them in the field and then he hauled the ashes to Bethel. Kidron was less than a mile from the temple. A principle that Josiah understood was he said, I'm going to get all this stuff. I'm going to cleanse out my temple. I'm going to remove everything up out of here and I'm going to place it in this field and I'm going to burn it where everybody can see. And this happens at an altar and we see it happen week in and week out and people come up and they say, I've got stuff in my life that I need to get out and I'm going to take it out right here, right where everybody can see, right where I can, right where I can show me and God and everybody else that this is something I don't need anymore and we lay it down. But the problem is we leave the ashes at the altar. Josiah understood that if I leave these ashes here, that smell is going to permeate the city. That mess is going to be something that they see every day when they walk up out of their house. What we need to do after we have an altar experience, we need to get up and take those ashes and get them so far away that we can't even smell what was once there. There's no evidence of anything but a change. There's no evidence of anything but a disturbance. It's time for somebody to stop coming up here and making a spectacle but to say I am going to make a a change in my life. After he removed all of the instruments of the enemy that were in the temple he began to put a siege onto the idolatrous priests and the priests that served as a voice of Satan the priests were the voice of Of Satan to the people. He silenced the voice of the enemy. And come on. Today if we don't silence the voices of Satan in our life. He's going to continue on into our future. If we don't identify the places or the people that are speaking into us. And speaking things that are not truth. And are leading us astray from the word of God. It will perpetuate on into your future. It doesn't matter how much of the instruments you get up out of your home. They're going to find themselves back in your home. If you got a voice in your ear. Next, Josiah turned his attention to the removal of the grove, and I I am getting down towards the end. I had a lot of notes, but I'm getting down towards the end. Josiah desired so much for purity that he directed his attention at the grove that was in the temple. This grove was something that his grandfather had planted in the place of God, and these trees had grown for two generations. Now their roots ran deep. They shifted the foundational stones of the temple. The things that once seemed so immovable, ones that seemed so unbreakable, now began to shift and to crack, and erosion began to take place in the foundation of the temple. Trees that at first seemed harmless and beautiful, they took over, and and it took time, but over time they took over the temple and shook it at its core. We need to be careful of the trees that we allow to find their way into our life. We find our way in, they find our way into our own personal foundations of our apostolic faith. At first they may seem hard, harmless, but now they are great forces to be reckoned with. We, they work their way into the foundations of your faith. Something that once seemed so immovable, so unbreakable, now has begun to shift. It begins small. I just missed a Wednesday. It's just a little country song. That movie just had one part in it. I skipped it. Come on, it begins small, and it seems harmless, and it's just a little flirtation. I know she's not in church, but it's just a little flirtation. We're not dating. Come on, it's something that seems small. It's nothing, really. But before you know what's happened, it's grown into a force to be reckoned with. The roots have penetrated deeply, and you find yourself shifting in ways that you would have never believed. Cornerstones of your faith now have cracks in them, and the eroding forces of life are now working away, and they threaten the very ground that your temple was built upon. The entire structural integrity of your temple has been jeopardized because of a small thing. So what did Josiah do? He cut down the grove. Josiah stopped the process. He didn't prune the trees. He didn't just remove the obvious problem causers. He cut the foundation of the trees to save the foundation of the temple. We must cut back or cut out the groves that... It We allow into our life. Not simply cut back. We have to remove everything. Not only the obvious problem causers. If there's something in our temple. That is not there by design. You need to cut it out at its source. If you need a sign to quit drinking. Here it is. If you need a sign to break up with a worldly girlfriend. Here it is. If you need a sign to quit watching horror movies. Here it is. Because right now. There's something that may be in your mind. Something that we say, you know, it's just a small thing. It's just something. It's, it's not It's not all that big of a deal. There's no, Show me a verse, right? That's, that's that's our go-to. Show me a verse. Where? How can you prove to me that I can't do that? Well, the Bible doesn't say you can't smoke crack. <laughs> some things are just implied, okay? So let's look at some of the small things in our life. And maybe some of us have something right now that you're saying, you know, that's just a small thing. It, just, it seems cute, you know, it's a little thing. But if we allow that thing to grow and we allow that thing to penetrate deeply into the foundation of our faith, we can, be, we can be compromising the entire structural integrity of our temple. And over time, things can shift and things can move. And something that you said, you know what? That thing that used to be a foundation of my apostolic faith, Jesus' name, baptism, I used to be so strong on that. But now, because I've allowed a small thing to come in now, and I don't know, you know, it's just a small thing or or maybe it's maybe it's our foundations of holiness. And we say something that used to bother us deeply and and holiness. You talk to your pastor. I'm not going to get into specifics, but but something that used to bother us deeply. Now we say, you know what? It's just I mean, I'm on the edge of that. I'm not doing it, but I don't know when it became popular and I don't know if it is popular, but some I see, I feel like I see it more and more. Maybe my eyes are just being open. And I'm not talking specifically to this church. I'm talking to the apostolic church in general. I don't know when it became popular to see how close we could get to the edge and still call ourselves apostolic. It's time for somebody to say, even the small things, even the things that right now that don't look like something that could be a problem causer. I'm gonna get them up out of my temple because this place is a place of purity. This place for God, not for something else, not for worship of anything else, it's a place for the worship of God thank you Jesus, and after the grove he turned his attention to the house of the prostitutes, because what had happened is over the years prostitutes had, and it's called sodomites in the Bible, I looked it up, what they are is the prostitutes and what they were is they were, it was a place for people to come and do idol worship and as you walked through the streets, what you would have smelled were the smells of a strange incense being burnt to gods that were not Jehovah. As you walked through the streets, you would have smelled a strange incense burning, or what the Bible calls strange fire. And as we walked through the streets, you'd hear the sound of the voice of the prostitutes. And what would happen is those smells would create an aroma. And when I was dating my wife, I and even now, when we go on date night, I put on a whole bunch of cologne because I want to smell pleasing to her because I want to set an atmosphere that feels good to her, that is welcoming to her. And so what Josiah did is he said, I am now I've cleansed the temple, but now I'm going to turn myself to the atmospheres that my temple is in. He said, I'm going to I'm going to face my my attention and my direction towards the things that are alluring me back to Satan. To those things that are setting up an atmosphere in my life that even though my temple's cleansed, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go even a step further and I'm gonna cleanse the atmosphere around my temple. That when people come around me, they don't smell the things of the world. They don't, they don't feel the allure of Satan. What they do is they they feel they feel the tug of the Holy Ghost. That's what we need to have in our life. We don't need the smell of Satan up on us. There's a reason that we are called out to be ye separate. Come on. I'm in a church today that believes that holiness is important. That believes that holiness is essential. We need to be separate. We need to be separate. And the music can come quickly today. And this is where the shift wants to happen, okay? And I'm going to I'm going to start letting the spirit just kind of flow a little bit more. Get away from my notes because what ends up happening next is Josiah says, I remember the promises of my grandfather. I remember the things that he went through, and in order to be in a place like my grandfather was, I'm going to clean out and establish a holy place in the temple. He's done that. He's found the word. He's removed the groves. He's set an atmosphere. Now that he and his condition and the condition of Jerusalem is right, his attention turns to Topheth his attention turns to Topheth now that everything had been reestablished now that everything had been put back in its place and he had had his eyes up opened up to some things that maybe he didn't realize were there before he can now turn his attention. And this really is where I believe most of this church is today. But I had to set a foundation, okay? I set the foundation. We need to get back to what we know What we know is right. We need to get back to what we know is good. We need to get back to the word. That's the foundation, okay? And there's some of us here today that needed to hear that. But I really believe that the vast majority of the people in this sanctuary today have come here for this moment right here. Right here. Because what ends up happening is... Josiah says, I am not only going to focus on myself anymore because now I've gotten my life and and my atmosphere correct and I've gotten everything where it needs to be. So now what I can do is I can face my eyes towards Tophat. And that place that God had once brought a victory and the enemy had set up an establishment there. And now Satan said, I'm going to create this as a place of habitation for me. He said, I want the final word on this ground. Josiah had something that rose up in him. Josiah said, I'm not happy with just me and my house getting back to where I need to be. But I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to bring it right on down to Tophet." Because I know back in the day, there was a prophet. There was a prophet that said, for Tophath is ordained of old. And for the king. Who's the king? Who's the king is talking about? For the king has Tophath been prepared. That king that he is talking about right here is not only prophetic of the king of Assyria and his destruction but it is prophetic of the prince and the power of the air tofath the place that you once had a victory but the enemy has now taken back has been ordained of god to be the place that you can come to and say i have a prophecy I have a word from God. Right now, as I look at my situation, right now, as I look at my circumstances, right now, as I see where I am, right now, as I know what's in front of me, I can come down, and I can come with a prophecy in my hand. He's had a fire that was built up in him. He said, I'm not happy just with getting myself right. I'm not satisfied with just me and my house, but I'm going to take this word out to the streets. I'm going to take this truth out and this prophecy and this promise to the gates of hell. And I am going to bring a deliverance that God has ordained from the beginning. Come on, does anybody believe that today? If we can find ourselves in a right place with God, and many of us are today, and I hope all of us are today, but if we can find ourselves in that place, we can go on down to Tobin. We can say, I'm here. I'm here to take back what the enemy has stolen from me. I'm here to reestablish what God has established in my life. I remember the stories that I was once told of a place of purity, of a place where God's spirit can move mightily. I remember them. I'm going to bring it down. I'm going to bring it down. I wish somebody would pick up that spirit of Josiah today and say, I am going to bring it down. I am. I'm going to be the one that takes it down the towpath. I am going to be the one that goes into the streets of this city and this region. I'm going to be the one at prayer meeting. Come on. Yes, and I'm close, and you can come to the altar. I'm going to be the one at prayer meeting. I'm going to be the one at work day. I'm going to be the one. I wish somebody would pick this up today. Joy, have your hands make a joyful noise, blow the trumpet and shout.